I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Doing your best as an individual not to get too caught up. Because I've seen people that I thought, yeah, you'd be amazing for that thing. But then it's like their mindset. Is, it doesn't it doesn't align it doesn't align yeah. their vision doesn't align what they're looking to gain doesn't align which is fine. like everyone is out there to support and help themselves which is fine yeah. but then at the same time understand to what benefit hi welcome to black ticulate a podcast series featuring uk young black professionals where we find out how they do what they do so you can too or not. After all, it is your life. <laughs> Amos, welcome to Black Ticulate. Thank you for having me, man. Thank Honestly, you. no, it's been uh, it's been a hot minute. We've uh, crossed paths many a times, and many I've always times. wanted to get your voice on this platform. So I'm privileged and honoured. Honoured to be here. So, guys, if this is the first time you're coming across Black Ticulate, welcome. What is Black Ticulate? Real simple. We get UK young black professionals where we try to find out exactly how they do what it is they do, so you can too. And Amos is about to drop some bars. That's I know this. You, just heard a little, you heard a little intro, so you know this That's is going to be lit. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's kick off. Amos, please tell the bosses, which the are bosses, my, uh, yes. listeners, yes. who you are, what you do, and we'll just chop it up from there. Okay, bosses, I am Amos. I am from South East London. What I do, so currently I'm working with a marketing and strategic consultancy called MSC Sachi, so clear to be yeah. specific. And in terms of my side hustle, um, my side hustle is Propter. Jeez, that's how I know you, sir. Propter, how are you spelling that? So, the, so you Propter know, the is... The powers that be can say Yeah, sure. I get, a lot of people say Propstar or Popstar or it's Propter. So Propter is P-R-O-P-T-A-R. No worries, we're so, definitely going to get the genesis of that story yeah, for sure, so, especially so, why that name, but... Yeah. yeah, keep on going. Sorry, Amos. So, yeah, so in terms of back to like, I guess, my profession or what I do as a nine to five, it's more like when people say strategic work, it's more of like working with brands. So, understanding what are the problems and issues that brands are facing in this day and age, um, collecting data, understanding what the consumers are saying, yeah. and then trying to churn out that data, find out what are the key elements or key segments that these brands need to focus on so they can build a lot more. So like my past experiences, I've done work with brands like, I guess, Twitter, um, done stuff with Philips. Okay, jeez, okay, Amos, jeez, jeez. I'm curious to know how you got into, I guess that is a marketing strategic and planning position. Yes, yeah. 
But I think I'm more interested, and this is why I brought you on here. And I don't mean any disrespect to your nine to five, because we yeah, hundred percent, especially you know, Londoners. But we all do that. We all have that nine to five where it's almost like we're just trying to ensure that we have food on our table. But yes. then, what is our mountain and what is our goal? Exactly. And I think for you, and you've you've alluded to this earlier on in this conversation, is that you have your own business called Propter. Yeah. Tell me about Propter. Okay, let me start from the very, very beginning. So from the very, very very beginning, Propter, in 2014, I realised that I've always wanted to support people around me, but I didn't know in what kind of element, because I was realising that there was a lot of quote-unquote entrepreneurs around, but they had no place to work, no place to collaborate, no way to connect. So, okay, I was like, how about I create like an office space? whereby they can all connect, like a co-working space, yeah, yeah, right, which has become really popular now. It's big, man. So I was onto something then, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I was also studying at university. So I was at the University of Portsmouth and I was doing civil engineering. Obviously, civil engineering came about because I was influenced by Nigerian yeah, parents. Yeah, yeah. It is what it is. It was cool. Wasn't it? <laughs> so at the same time, I was always commuting back and forth from Portsmouth on the weekends to work. So I was working at Waitrose at the time. And in I was London? In London. Jeez. So I was doing a shift on the weekend, going back to uni, and then like, say on a Sunday, when I get like a couple hours after work, I would meet up with a couple guys, discuss the idea, and then go from there. Name drop. Because we're all about sharing the love. So you say you're with a couple of guys. Who, so who, so a few friends that I used to go to university with. So one of my friends called Ekene, um, a guy that I grew Kene, up with called Ekene, another Nigerian. Ire, another Nigerian. And if you're another Nigerian, so us <laughs> all Nigerians just collaborating and working together. I don't know how we man. always find each other. What are you but talking about? You're in Portsmouth. You, know, you, had to, you had to band together. <laughs> so essentially, we linked up in London. We used to have meetings, used to chop it up. And then um, we thought to ourselves, okay, how can we make this happen? Yeah. And obviously, you need money to make it happen. And we were living off like student loans. So that wasn't financially possible. And obviously, in order to connect and get a space full of entrepreneurs. You need to know entrepreneurs. We didn't know a lot of them at the time. So like, how are we going to connect with them? Mm. Let's try and support them. So we came up with this concept of a business idea, which was um, not a business idea, but an event, which was Dragon's Den. Dragon's Den is already out there. (laughs) I introduced my business partner, Idris, who is a current co-founder to the whole project. And uh, he was instrumental in terms of like, trying to connect us with like a local charity called SE1 United. SE1 United. SE1 United. Who Are they still around? Not too sure. Okay, cool. Anyway, but, guys, um, we'll throw anything we speak about in the show notes. And then um, they said that there's an opportunity for you guys to get a word of money, a word of cash to run something that will have a social impact mm. or support the community. So we're like, okay, that's a great opportunity. Let us run a Dragon's Den event. So it was sponsored also by Peabody Associ- Housing Association. It helped as well. And coincidentally, SE1 United were based in the South Bank Centre, just right. by Waterloo. Okay. And so with them being based there, it was a great opportunity for us to run the event. So we're like, okay, cool. Let's run like a Dragon's Den event inside a space, connect people, get people down. And so basically we put an ad out. We got a few feet. Where'd you put the ad? This was such a long time ago. Yeah, and we, we sent an, Yeah, we sent an email to SE1 United. They sent it out. To their some of their contacts, their okay, and then obviously we picked up on people who we knew that were doing good things at the time, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs. The and so they got involved. And basically, in preparation to the event, we did like a two-week kind of preparation session. So it was like we were working on their presentations, we were working on ah, like different skills. So you actually helped them. We actually helped them with their, with their pitch, pitch right. and we helped them with getting like 
business cards and like all that kind of material that you need as like an entrepreneur. So you financially invested in Yeah, you financially so you invested in, wow. yeah, and printed all that stuff out with the support of SU1 United. And so that went well. And with me just looking at like the whole landscape of things, because as a business, you need to look at, okay, who are your competitors if you're going to last in this industry? I was thinking, this is nice, but it would be great if we had more of a niche to what we do. Right. And then my business partner, Idris, must have been like, you know what, this is a great opportunity for us to work with creatives. But you were coming from a civil engineering background. Yes. So why creatives as a niche? For me, I've always been like creatively in tune. So from when I was young. So I was... Um, yeah, I mean, I guess. And funny enough, actually, I do normally ask this. And uh, guys, many of you who are regular listeners know I do. I normally ask about the background of my guests, yes. like, you know, upbringing and how that's influenced them yes. to where they are now. Yeah. So when you say you've always been creatively tuned from a young age, yeah, so speak for, more on that. So like, say for example, when I was in, I guess year five, I performed at the Globe Theatre. Okay. I uh, did the final scene of Othello. <laughs> had a little bit of acting. I've got a little bit of acting credits there. Right. 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 My so, man even said the final scene. That even what you said. Hey, that final scene stuff. is deep. Yeah. It's deep. It's yeah. deep. You have to be but, in tune with that <laughs> emotional side of Othello, the experience that he's gone through to deliver that. Yeah, so, quite, so I did that. That innovation and everything. Oh, yeah. Do you know what? Yeah, I, got that. In I got that. <laughs> Literally, and when the doors closed, I was like, I've made it. <laughs> I've made it. <laughs> Mama, I've made it. So acting, I did that. Um, unfortunately, I didn't go back to that, but um, obviously had that, those credits there. And so um, I always felt for other people, young people who were coming up on those kind of platforms or those creative platforms trying to make it and they didn't really have that support or that guidance necessary for them to really excel or do well. So I was like, you know what? Let's do this creative thing. What, do you, what are you thinking in terms of creative? And he was like, let's start managing artists. This is Idris. This is Idris. And um, as soon as he said, let's start managing artists, I was like, okay, who did you have in mind? <laughs> and he was like... Guys, you can't see Idris' <laughs> face. But the moment he dropped that lyric, he goes, let's start managing what? Artists? Who are you talking like, about here? <laughs> I was like, artists. And he's like, creatives. And I'm like, who did you have in mind? And he, his first thing was, uh, he recognised a talented guy by the name of, stage name of Big Tipper. And obviously we knew him because we grew up with him. And he was like, you know what, we should manage him. And he was like, I was like, all right, cool. Like, what does that even mean? Right, right, like, exactly, like, I have no history or experience doing management. And I don't know what's, how to start. But mm. this guy is talented and he's doing some amazing stuff on his platform. Like, what I think he needed was a little bit more guidance in terms of strategy because he was quite young. Right. Hence why strategy comes in. Yeah, I hear that, I hear that. I hear so that. it was like... We started working with him, taken to the studio, did a few lyrics, smashed it. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know what, let's put this out there. And then his first song was um, Auntie. I was his call. So he's just Nigerian, I mean, Big Tipper's Nigerian as well. And so put it out there and that literally blew up. Like he got 500, it's like it's on over 500,000 listens on SoundCloud. And so we're like, this is sick. So let's make a music video for this. Did a music video, got a... Uh, a few people at the time that were doing massive things to like feature in the video. So there was a group called STP that were involved. 
Mike's comedy, who's quite popular on Instagram, yeah. Yeah. involved in that uh, ADOP comedian, the infamous ADOP comedian, yeah. he was involved in the video as well. So it was a fantastic video and that went really well. And so I was picking up and we were starting to like say like, you know what? Sorry to interject because I see the trajectory, I think. You're doing all of this and yeah. getting views in hope that he becomes what was the end goal. We wanted Big Tipper to be the biggest he could be. So the first thing that we did when we sat down with him, it was like, so we're going to work with you for a year. In that year, what do you want to achieve? And he was like, I want to be on radio. I want to release a music video. I want to um, feature in a newspaper. I'm like, all right, cool. He was like, I want to do big shows. I'm like, all right, cool. This is all in a year. We had no clue how we were going to do it. We had no contacts, but we knew that we were both very tenacious. And I even forgot to mention at this period, the team that started out as the people that I've mentioned, which was probably around five of us, yeah. narrowed down to just two. Okay. So it was now just me. Politics. Yeah. So it was like, it was like myself and Idris now, who were the main guys that were holding, I guess, Proctor. Yeah. And so we're doing that, working with him and coming back to your question as to like, what the big mean was most of those things that I just mentioned. So trying to get into those platforms yeah. and make a name for himself essentially right, okay. and so that was doing really well and um, people were hitting us up saying oh this is sick like can you manage me or right, can you do this you, and same. and that's when it started to be a thing whereby okay cool this is looking like it's, yes, it's a positive on your website you do have that yes as a service do you know you do have that as a management yeah no okay now that yeah. to me makes sense yeah so that was a success and we were like okay we can do this and then during that period of working with Tipper during that year, um, another opportunity came up to work with another artist. Right. And so the other artist that we worked with was a guy by the name called Timbo. And he's an amazing like Afrobeats artist. Um, Afro hop is basically the kind of thing that he brought to the fruition in terms of the underground scene or urban scene, so to speak. Right. So mixing hip hop and Afrobeats together. And he had been on his journey for longer than we had. And he was making a good name for himself. He made a strong name for himself from an urban scene. Right. And we were like, okay, we're about to manage Timbo. And so it's like, are we going to live up to the hype? Do you get me? Are we going to live up to his expectations sometimes? Because everyone's expecting to Expectation, do double tip. Exactly. Yeah, but it's like understanding like how we can like match that. And so same way that we approach Big Tipper is the same way we approach Timbo. Like, what do you want to achieve? You mentioned quite a few things, but from what I remember that stood out to me is that I want to work with Fuse ODG. Okay. We didn't know Fuse ODG. So it's like, <laughs> how are you going to get the guy that's probably got the hit single in the UK at the moment and like three mobile awards, like yeah. how are you going to get him to work with Timbo? But then again, like, like we've been fortunate in a sense where like, the people that we've worked with have been very talented. So Timbo was a very talented guy. And so with that being said, he was building that notoriety and Fuse was essentially noticed that. Mm. So essentially all we needed to do was just join the dots. And so something that obviously our team was really good at was basically chasing up these leads and making it happen. That being said- Can you walk me through that conversation? Like how do you get someone who is, I guess on a come up, working with someone who is very much established? Everyone is looking for mutual benefit. Okay. Do you hear me? Yeah, so if you're an artist specifically, what your aim is to do is to get your music out to the masses, to as many people as possible, so they can hear it and they can buy your records, essentially. Mm -hmm. And coming back to mutual benefit, if one artist has this demographic of people that listens to that music, and then another artist has a different demographic, 
they both want to tap into each other's demographics. So obviously, essentially, they've got a bigger crowd to listen to their music. Cross pollination, I guess. Exactly. So when they see that's the benefit, they'll be like, you know what, I'm more inclined to work with you. And on top of that, I like the music that you make. Then it makes the whole process a lot easier. Yeah, so yeah. essentially, that's what helped us quite a lot. And just finding emails and we were networking like crazy. Like, at actual events? At actual events. Okay. Like, like going to events, obviously... <sighs> you got a story yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like like one of the techniques that we were really good at doing or implementing is basically saying that we're press right. so coming to events and saying um, alright um, we're here we've got a camera we're here to shoot the event and we're going to do like a blog piece on it cool obviously we have the camera bless we're doing that yeah, yeah. but we're getting connects from this event yeah, as well yeah, yeah. so essentially that's what we were doing and then through those kind of like mediums of like connecting with people we were able to get draw two and two together get the right contact saying who we are who we work with and it basically made things happen i guess within like six months fuse had a tour coming up and he made timbo his main supporting act amazing so it was like wow like amazing we we said we've given this a year and we did it in like six months amazing obviously i'm a little bit of a, a nosy guy what does that look insofar as financials? So in terms of financially, just to give you a vague, without going too deep yeah, into sure. it, it's more or less looking at per show, obviously you get a certain cut. From an artist's perspective, depending on like the benefit, sometimes you can do the event for free because you're doing it for clout, so to speak. Yeah, for awareness, yeah. Or it's a case whereby you get a certain fee per show that you do. In terms of the ins and outs of that, I guess it's more complex. I think the best person to talk to about that would be Idris. Thank you, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that's for, that's pretty much it. Hopefully I introduce you to Idris. So Idris can no, please. I'd love to get his voice and black ticket as well. The only reason I ask is because I often know, obviously, big stars like the Beyonce to Rihanna's, they are touring galore. That's just because the team behind them are pretty much taking a majority of their the revenue or yeah. the income. And so I always just wondered, I mean, I've never really ever spoken to, I guess, a... Uh, Artists, um, NR, that's what you are, aren't you? Yeah, NR, technically, right? yeah. Technically, um, someone who manages artists, I'm always like, what is that cut? What is that? Part? The cut is crazy, if I'm being very honest with you. Like, say, for um, one of the, the main things that I guess artists tend to do, the like shows, like musicians, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest, they do these shows for is because they want to showcase that art and what they do on a live and scale. They love it, it's they love, and that's and that's what life. and that's what they love, and so essentially they get paid fairly for that, do you understand? So, like, obviously you get money from the streaming now, obviously everything's online now, so streaming platforms and obviously selling records and stuff like that. But a lot of people don't know that you get a lot of money for doing live shows. So, like, you're looking at probably, depending on the type of artist you are, probably £5,000 upwards. Five bags. As in five bags upwards. So, it's like, it just depends on, like, obviously the type of show, the type of location see and then the amount of people you're putting in as well yeah for sure 100 percent. So, i think the bigger the artist the more bags you get yeah but i'm just wondering from a behind the scenes the management side is what cut do they take okay like a 30 percent so uh, or, management or, tends to take about 15 to 20 percent cut gotcha hey guys whoever's listening out there man you might yeah, look man. at that you might look at that managing me, your yeah. talented brothers you know sisters cousins I right, make sure you train them up make sure they'll be singing and putting their videos on youtube slapping <laughs> it on soundcloud putting it on spotify get that steady income in when you get that steady income in you reinvest that back into them so they can do more studio time 
push out more music and that way essentially you can blow them up i guess you can put stuff on things like um get pr companies involved to help push their stuff on radio and stuff like that yeah. so i guess you get more income in so they can do more live shows and more live festivals festivals it's the one yeah big money festivals. big money big money Same. big money Look at that. Amos dropping bars. <laughs> I didn't even know we were going to go to the music <laughs> angle because Propter does so much more. Yeah. So tell me more about what else Propter does. So in terms of Propter, we'll yeah. If you don't mind, and then we'll talk about, from an audience perspective, yeah. is how they two can potentially start something similar to Propter. Yeah. Not necessarily being in a niche of creativity, but just generally like... Generally, yeah. Yeah, if that's cool. cool. In terms of, so where that took a turn, so obviously we're doing some of these events and um, being backstage and you're meeting people like Sean Paul and Jeez. like Sarko Day and all of this. And this is amazing. It's like, it's great. But like me personally, I'm a very conservative, but conservative person. So I don't like to be out in the limelight too much. I just like to do my thing and like bounce. Yeah, no, and no. so I was still come back to the thing that we started on in terms of vision wise, like how we help, how can we help more people? Like, how can we help more creatives? Because at this point, we're getting an overload of emails and people contact, contacting us directly saying, okay, how can you help us out? Like, can you support us? That's brilliant, though. So Do it's you like, know what I mean? Your, your reputation is preceding you. Yeah. People coming up to you. And saying, yeah. So yeah. it's like, it yeah, shows that you're making great. a positive impact and it's amazing. And so I was like, you know what? I really want to help these guys. So it's like, how can we make this more of a social kind of aspect? And so that's where the whole concept of setting up a social enterprise came up. And it's like, through that, we were able to say, okay, what are we good at? Oh, remember, we're good at events. And we've got a few contacts in the music industry now. So how can we bring their knowledge to the knowledge of those people within our community so they can feed off each other, potentially gain an opportunity, but essentially learn and collaborate. And so we did our first event in... 2016 is when we did our first event nice. um, and that was at Old Street, a place called The Trampery and um, we used the space, again we spoke to the guys there, told them about our vision, they were like we love it, got discounted rates but then at the same time it was like trying to get people in in the platform. Of course. So that's got to be one of the most difficult things surely Must like were you building a like database at the time, did you have subscribers, how? How you, how you doing this? So you know crazy. I mean? so, I'm, I'm, I'm also saying this selfishly because, you know, like, <laughs> I know you man's are listening out there, yeah. but I'm not seeing a lot of subscribers. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so funnily enough, what we were trying to do is basically understanding that the fully that we were gaining was like stemming from products that we were pushing out with Big Tipper. So right. like he was gaining, he was gaining clout and a lot of people were following us on socials. And with that being said, I guess, in turn, a lot of artists, especially when we're doing work with Timber, were getting in touch with us, musicians, producers, all of that kind of stuff, like, oh, how can I work with you guys? I've got this beat for this person, this beat. So it's like, when you've got a wealth of them following you, you're like, you know what, I'm going to take your details and put it in our system. We haven't got anything for you right now, but when we do have something for you, right, bang. Gotcha. And so at the time we built something and it was like this platform whereby we were helping not only like the creatives tr- trying to get into the music industry, but we're also trying to help upcoming like brands. And so that was a great opportunity for everyone to connect and learn and build. So that event went really well. And so we were like, you know what, we need to follow this up with something else. It's funny because like creative people tend to follow each other. So someone who is a, I guess, photographer will follow their friend who's a music producer to this event. And they'll be like, oh, this is amazing. And they'll come to us after like, this is really good. Like there's some key insights that I can even implement 
and transfer yeah. into into other industries. Like, are you gonna do one focus on I guess fashion next because I'm a fashion photographer? And you're like, that's a good point. <laughs> that is a very good point. And so, like, you know what? Yeah, we've got your details. Like, we'll come back to you. Yeah. And so, um, obviously, for that first event, uh, we had about fifty people. So my initial thought was to make it like very intimate. So people can connect with each other because when there's too many people in the room, sometimes it's hard for you to like, am I going to talk to you first? No, I'm quite yeah. nervous, blah, 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 blah. So that went well. And throughout the rest of that year, we were still working with the artists. So the process in terms of working with the artists had obviously kind of fizzled out and stopped. But you had a year, yeah. I mean, you, you had a good year. Yeah, you had, you had a, a good year, year and we'd work yeah. with them and we've gained the insight and we've learned a lot about the whole like industry, which was cool. Upon finishing that whole process, the following year, I was like, all right, cool, we're going to go ham out that. Let's do one on music, one on fashion, sorry, see how that one goes. And then we'll do another one on film and TV because we were realising that media is a big platform as and well. this is 2017. This is 2017 last now. Last year. So last year, we were like, you know what, let's do this fashion and film and TV and see how it goes. At this point, I've learned so much from 2014 to now 2017 in terms of not just doing things for the sake of doing it. I like to think that I think a couple steps ahead. So I'm doing it for a reason, so they could be a knock-on effect. So even positioning of our fashion event, our fashion event was in February, and it was, um, I think it was just before London Fashion Week. Gotcha. So everyone is hyped up, preparing themselves for London Fashion Week because the vibe is there, everyone's strong and feeling it. So we're like, you know what, to give you guys a taste of what you're going to expect, let's give you that London Fashion Week, quote-unquote, with our event. And so we did a, the event in Sloan Square, like it was like a gallery space, like, and with that same space. How did you find the space? Just basically searching online, to be honest. Yeah, okay. Searching online, um, looking around, we saw the space, and there's various different platforms out there, like Peer Hair and stuff like that you okay. can use if you wanna look for platforms or like look for spaces for place to use. And so I found that, and again with them, it was like, that journey was like, just only God, I guess. It's like a struggle of luck with that one so essentially they offered us a space so they had two spaces yeah so one of the spaces was basically it's like a restaurant slash gallery space okay. so there was a restaurant area whereby you can go inside the building go downstairs and like it was a good space for I'll say about 100 people cool and then upon confirming it with them we got a little bit of funding from a company uh, Peabody Housing Association again. So okay. we maintain that relationship. relationship. So we maintain that relationship, spoke with them, communicated with them. And then um, they were like, oh, we've got this um, opportunity to support you in terms of money-wise if you want to run something again for the community because Peabody are very big on supporting locals in the community. So we used that opportunity, got that money, and then we had, if I'm being honest, £500 to go towards the venue. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. So we were like, okay, cool. How are we going to manage this? Went into the space. The space costs a little bit more than £500, if I'm being honest with you. Mm -hmm. But gift of the gap. Vision. Spoke about that tried to appease to them and they're like you know what we love what you guys are doing and how you guys are going about doing it so yeah, by all means you can have the space cool as with every entrepreneur there's always ups and downs and there's always curveballs that come your way naturally especially with live events exactly well, never fully prepared honestly so three or four days before the event everything had been confirmed in terms of panelists and everything they were like unfortunately guys we can't give you the space there's like someone has come in obviously money talks and they want the space for a period of three days and in the period of those three days one of those days is the days that we were supposed you to have space you know like oh gosh what are you gonna do now it's like oh but because we love your event so much and love the idea behind it i'm gonna give you a bigger space yeah i was like bruh <laughs> we thank god yeah, we thank god, we thank god. We thank god. <laughs> so they gave us a bigger space and it was like a massive gallery space pricing of that space was probably in and around three Three to five bags. Amazing. And we got it for five bills. Nice. I was like, God is good. Yeah. And so we had that space and it just worked out perfectly for us because in terms of the the amount of people that came to that event, we were expecting to see around. We put tickets out, say about 100. Okay, so seven tickets. So, no, we didn't sell tickets. We made all these tickets free. And that's something I didn't mention. We're making all these tickets free so we can... So all your events are free? Yeah, at the moment, all the the events are free. So... Um, we put tickets out there and we got about 100 people come through those doors. It just made sense in terms of it fit everyone. How are you putting the tickets out there? Eventbrite. Eventbrite. And then we, I guess, market the event through our socials and they would also market through, obviously, local youth organisations like and stuff like that. And, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. It's fantastic. We got a great turnout for that event. And on a panel for that event, we had like an upcoming an entrepreneur who'd been in the fashion world for quite a long time. Well, Justin, um, he's got a new brand called Saint Rouet, people should check that out. It's absolutely fun. Saint Rouet. Saint Rouet. Rouet. Yeah. R O Saint, obviously, mm-hmm, yeah. and R O U E. Rouet. It's like a French kind of twister. Guys, I'm going to throw that in the show notes as well. Still, jeez. So it's pretty high end and it's amazing stuff that he's got going on. So that's that. Them. And we also had a founder of um, London Fashion Agency, Rosie Davis. She was there. We also had an ASOS insider and um, one of the editors of ASOS magazine, Debbie. And we also had, last but not least, Alexis Knox, who's a celebrity stylist. So right. she works with um, Craig David and etc. Craig David had a stylist? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alexis, no, no, no. No shade at no all. Shade. She's done That's some amazing uh, stuff, though. Yeah. She's worked with people like Nicole Scherzinger, Miley Cyrus, Bruno Mars. So she's, 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 she's doing she's bits. Killing it. So I'm, I guess... I mean, it's apparent, and those who are listening, I hope you can agree with me on this. 
you guys know how to get people to events yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. You guys also know how to get talent yeah. without a shadow <laughs> of a doubt. And from, I guess, a listener's perspective, the way you do it, and this is what I'm getting from you, Amos, the way you do it is you literally share your vision. Yeah. Via email, via being at events and just networking. Even yeah. sometimes, you know, posing as press, as you mentioned earlier on. It's just that simple that, you know, we are able to give you a platform in where you can be visible and from an audience perspective is there's a platform in where they can gain skills and knowledge. I would agree with that. But then yeah. one extra thing that I would Please. say to that would be like, I'm a kind of person which is very strong on like quality control. Okay. So, Speak more about that, yeah. so with that being said, it's like anyone can come and share vision and anyone can like a motivational speaker can come to me and say, you know what, this, this and that, this is what I do and I'll feed it. But then if I look at your product or I look at your service and there's not a level, a standard of quality that I can associate with what you're saying, then it becomes a thing of, eh. Okay, so it's like not, there's, there's, disingenuous. It's not yeah, it's not, it's not authentic. And then right. on top of that, it's like, it's all about the quality. And that's one of the things that we kept on getting feedback on. Because anyone can do what you're doing. It's the way you deliver it that makes you different. Yeah. Like a lot of people out there, you hear a lot of people that have businesses that are ten quote-unquote, doing the same thing. But what sets them apart is their process. What is your process? How does your process make you stand out from everyone else's process? And how does that make my, my life a lot easier, a lot harder? That will depend, that will determine, essentially, whether or not I would want to work with you. Yeah. And so from that, it was just basically that that was allowing us to really gain the people, the right people to get involved. So speaking of that, if I may interject for a little bit, sorry, Amos, is how do you qualify the people you work with the partners you work with what do you say outwardly or to those partners potential partners or people that you bring on board yeah what are the questions i'm quite curious now so in terms of like the questions we ask them it's it's, it's more or less us looking at who our demographic is so our demographic tends to be people from the ages of say around 16 to 25 that we tend to focus on right. of like they would say underprivileged backgrounds, oh, okay. but more focusing towards more ethnic minority. Right. So those are the people that we tend to work with and or tend to focus did it, on. Did, it, did you purposely focus on that or just happen? It just, it seemed to happen like that. But then at the same time, we were realizing that even people from privileged backgrounds were coming to our event and I'm not the kind of person to shun anyone away. Yeah. So like, if there's an opportunity for you, please come to the event. Mm-hmm. And so that demographic were coming to that event. Would you guys want to know? And some of them were like responding to us like one-on-one chats or just friends of friends were saying, this is what I want, this is whatever. And you're just putting your air out to like social media and online and just looking at what other people are doing and understanding, you know what, this seems to be a common thing that people are talking about. This needs to be addressed. After looking at that, then looking at what's out there, who do you have access to? Nowadays, like unless you're trying to talk to the CEO of a company, like people are accessible, like... Mm. Although it's a big world, it's, people are connecting in one way or another. Yeah, so yeah. it's just be basically having the courage to put yourself out there and say, okay, let me email this person, that person. Even if it's the info email, <laughs> even if it's the support email. If someone likes what you're saying and you push yourself in a positive light or you come across well to someone and your work matches the quality in which you're coming across to someone, people will give you a listen. And give you an opportunity. Boy, Amos, you've been dropping bars, dropping gems. Now, I want to just 
go back to I guess my standardized format a little bit. Yes. There are a plethora of platforms out there. Yes. That are similar. Yes. But if someone is listening to this and going, you know, I also want to do something similar, similar as well. Yeah. How do I go about doing this? What are the best piece of advice you can give? I almost want to just leave it at that because you told us how you've done it, but perhaps knowingly know what you do know. Mm-hmm. What are the best like paths or trodden paths? To okay, take? so if I if knowing what I do know now, if if I was to look back when I've done it differently, yes, okay. like you always, I think personally, you would always do things differently, um, in terms of the way you approach things, but you would never, you'd never regret the lessons you've learned from what that. you've gone through. So I'm so grateful for the things that I've gone through because I've learned so much and it shaped me into the person I am today. But would I have done things differently? Yes. Like the way I approach things from like a like a business perspective, like we didn't have any advisors, no one was advising us. So we're just running into brick walls and hoping it will break. And then eventually realizing, oh, there's a ladder there. Let's use a ladder to climb the wall. So it was like that's a, great, that's a great metaphor. So it's like... I'm just, I'm just saying, oh, man, man, man. I'm sitting here, I'm like, Ching! Balls, bro, balls. balls for days, bro. So essentially just learning from that. So, um, yeah, in terms of, like, moving more strategically, understanding that whatever you do will have a knock-on effect. And sometimes you would have to think, okay, me doing this one thing may have three different reactive, like, responses or solutions, or it may result in three different things. If you're aware of those three different things, it allows you to then better navigate yourself because you don't feel like you've been hit with a curveball and you're just like, it's easy for you to panic when you don't know a situation. You don't expect a situation. You're like, I don't know where to go from here. Like, I'm lost. Like, maybe this is not for me. It is for you because you came up with the idea in the first place and you had the courage to set it up in the first place and see it through. This is just shaping you for what you're going to expect in the long term. So you'll be able to manage it in that long term. Right. Right. No, I hear that. So, so in terms of to like, do it is what you're saying. To do sure. it. Do it. If you have the idea, do it. The setup of it is do you have to register yourself, limited company, all of that? Okay. So to be a social enterprise, for for to get all the technicalities out there, um to be a social enterprise, you can be a private and limited company by shares or by guarantee or guarantor, I think that's what word is. Basically a, a social enterprise is essentially a company that uses their profit and reinvest their profit back into the company to support um, and make more social impact yeah. within the community. And you have to put that on company house, do you? Like do that via company house. There's various platforms that you can use, like online places that allow you to like fast forward that process if you don't know oh, how to do it. They set it up all for they you. They set it up all for you and you just provide them with the right information. Another thing that is actually quite key, especially when setting up is like, it's hard. Um, it's like a business bank account. Business bank account. It tends to be quite long, but um, I guess we found there's a few places like Metro Bank. Just make sure you have a good credit score. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> credit score is in So Metro Bank is quite good. Yeah, Metro Bank, HSBC, there's quite a few Barclays. And yeah, in terms of setting up, one thing that I would say is understand what your, sh- your, your, your mission statement is. I scream, I've been screaming it throughout, revision, like... Understand what your vision is, and then from that vision, come up with a mission statement. When you understand what it is you're trying to do, and you can even say in layman's terms, I do this, that, bang, then you're ready to get going. Mm. And then once you're ready to get going, the easier it is for you to navigate. Because if you do get lost, 
in terms of complications, you go back to the beginning and say, okay, what am I doing this for? What's my mission statement? And what are the main things that I focus on? Bang, bang, all right, cool, we're back on track. So essentially, those are the kind of things that people need to start thinking of if you're trying to set up something and if you don't want to get, quote unquote, lost in the source. Because it's easy to get lost in the source. Uh, yeah, you start mm. getting a bit of fame, <laughs> so your head gets dizzy. Everyone, you start getting Jeez. dizzy. People are saying, oh, you should do this, you should do that. But then always be confident and say, you know what? I appreciate what you're saying. I love your vision, but this is what we're focusing on at the moment. And we just want to get this right. Because if you get that right and no one can touch you in that area, then you can start to diversify. So you speak about vision and mission statement. In a pithy way, what is yours? Oh, you put me on the spot. What's my vision statement? <laughs> yeah. I always say statement, yeah, is... That sound good, The post-edit. Yeah. Prompter is a platform whereby we connect to bridge the gap between the local community and the creative industry. Our main aim is to try and nurture talent so they can achieve their best career goals. I want to now throw it into the quick fire questions. Like quick fire questions, do. yes. Uh, with all my podcasts. Cool, cool, uh, cool. So the answer is you can't really think too long about them. You just, I just, see. <laughs> you just have to throw it out. Throw it out. But before it. I do, I always want to give my guests just full autonomy insofar as if you were to put yourself in a business position, is there anything that you know, your, your advice, your resources, your tools, your tips, even the challenges possibly that we haven't spoken about on record yet? Is there anything that you think is important for them to know in order for them to do what it is you do? Do you know what's very, very hard is like, especially in this industry, as an entrepreneur, like some of, these, some of your successes are kind of based on your relationships. You need to understand the dynamics that you have with people. And so the key thing is understanding your relationships, but then I'm saying relationships and then I'm alluding onto like how to build a team. Right. That's one of the hardest things I can for a fact say the hardest things that you would have to experience like in this line of work in terms of as an entrepreneur because you're thinking to yourself okay this is what I want this is what I need and then you see that person they come onto the team and then it just fizzles out right, gotcha. it just bursts and so it's just doing your best as an individual not to get too caught up sometimes because I've seen people that I thought, yeah, you would be amazing for that thing. But then it's like their mindset, is, it, doesn't, it doesn't align. It doesn't align. Yeah. Their vision doesn't align. What they're looking to gain doesn't align. Which is fine. Like everyone is out there to support and help themselves, which is fine. Yeah. But then at the same time, understand to what benefit. If you're coming to somewhere and all you're doing is taking contacts or just being somewhere, but you're not mentally there, you just feel like your presence alone is enough. Not really helping any cause, especially from a social impact perspective. Interesting. So that is a challenge building a team. So quick fire questions. You ready? Let's go. Yeah. Are you sure? Let's go. You ready? I'm uh, kind. I'm kind of nervous that, now. That, that, that. <laughs> it's blessed. So if you could do a TED talk uh, on anything other than your actual profession, what would it be on? Graft. So how to work hard. How so, to work hard. Yeah. So basically. Does the early bird get the worm? Was was my thing. Okay, got you. Does the early bird get the worm? In fact, I'm afraid that out as a Twitter question. Still, <laughs> um, your last five pounds on earth, what are you spending it on? Hold two pound fifty for a rainy day and put two pound fifty <laughs> into Bitcoin. <laughs> my man, an actual cryptocurrency, you know, two pound fifty. Quite, but he's gonna invest it. All right. So, black articulated, black action articulated. What is your favorite English word? Favourite English word is graft. Graft? Yeah. That's about the graft out here. I, I hear that. UK black businesses, 
it's all about paying it forward. This is the platform. Hundred really. percent. Yeah. Is there any that you use regularly, like a product or service? Uh, probably a good restaurant that I know is Mamalia's. 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 What's that? That's quite close to. It's like on the way to like New Cross. Okay. Yeah. Mamalia's. Yeah, right. Not too far from like Peckham and stuff like that. Oh, nice. 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 Yeah. Alright. Cool. So before I ask you the penultimate question of you know where we can find you on the World Wide Web. Yes. But success. Who's the second person that comes to mind when I say the word success? When you say the word success. Probably, I've always loved 50 Cent, man. Awesome. Okay, well, last but not least is how would you like to be remembered, sir? That's a very good question. I think I'd, I'd love to be remembered as a person that has, I guess, left a legacy, you know? Just Still made an one, impact. What does that mean? Made so, an impact. Made an impact and left a legacy is more or less from a perspective of delivering on what they said they were going to do. So, essentially, I said that I was going to go out there, set up a company support creatives in the local community, get them to the highest stage that they can be at. And I've partly done that. So to be able to say that I've done that to for a wide range of people within the community that I'm from and in other communities and potentially internationally would be amazing for me. So yeah. Amazing. And I don't doubt that in the slightest. So, yeah. so question I'm gonna ask you is how can we find you and when we do find you on the World Wide Web, what is it you'd like from us? So, yeah, it is kind of hard to find me, specifically. Um, I'm not on Twitter, I am not on Instagram, um, but you can find Procter, and it will eventually feed through to me anyway. Yeah. So, you hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Procter, at P-R-O-P-T-A-R. Email address is info at Procter.uk. Drop us a line, um, and my personal email is amos.e at Procter. UK. So Amos is A-M-O-S. All right, guys. So as always, please do support, do share all the guests I have and their and their businesses and their brands. Amos, you're a legend. Thank you very I love much. Man. For Thank you so time, much. Man. You're a legend, man. For having me. I appreciate uh, it. No, I appreciate you. Let me let me land. Let me land. Let me land. Hey guys, we really appreciate you listening. And if you have any feedback, please leave it in the comment section below. Also, all the info about the guests, the links and the resources we speak about will be in the description below. And last but not least, please, please, please do get in touch if you can teach us how you do what it is you do. Because after all, Black Ticklate is all about empowering and upskilling the community. Thanks guys, you're the best. See you soon.